How do we manage the protein transition? Which food components can provably boost your immune system? What's the best way to validate health claims for food and food components? Listen to our food and health experts discuss the biggest questions facing the food, nutraceutical, and food ingredient industries today. Welcome to Niso Talks Food and Health. Dietary fiber plays a key role in human health. Fiber-rich foods and prebiotics can help promote good health and benefit the gut microbiota, for instance. Adding fiber to food and ingredients can just help increase their attractiveness to consumers and differentiate them in a competitive market. Petra Scholtens, project leader nutrition and health at NISO, explains how in vitro models and human trials supported by bioinformatics can help manufacturers identify and demonstrate the health benefits of dietary fibers. Dietary fiber play a big role in human health and fiber-rich foods and prebiotics again in gut health. There are many ways to show the benefits of a fiber uh, and fiber-rich food. Today I will be talking to Petra Scholtens, project leader health and nutrition at NISO. Petra, welcome. Nice to be here. <laughs> so dietary fibers at the center of the uh, talk today. Yeah. Could you start with explaining what actually is a dietary fiber and why is it important in the human diet? Yeah. Well, a dietary fiber actually is that part of the diet that is not digested in the gastrointestinal tract. So you, ha- you consume it with your diet and it enters in the gut undigested. And there it has several health benefits. It's really a crucial element in your diet. You have several types of dietary fibers in the diet. There are a lot of different ones, but it's also for for infants very important because Mm -hmm. human milk also contains human milk oligosaccharides, which is also uh, a dietary fiber. So actually you say it's beneficial for all age groups? Is that Yeah, uh, Yeah. Yeah. so even for infants and uh, across the lifespan, you, you need dietary fiber. So there are, there are also uh, uh, many prebiotics, and you say it is, it's indigestible. Could you say a little bit what prebiotics yeah. are? Yeah, so what I just mentioned is that the, uh, the, di- the dietary fiber is not digested, it enters in the gut. In the gut there are a lot of uh, bacteria present as well, so intestinal microbiota. And part of the fiber can be degraded, degraded by the uh, bacteria in the intestinal microbiota. So part of it will just be excreted with your feces, and part of it will be uh, used by the bacteria. And you have a lot of different types of fibers, but you also have a lot of different types of bacteria. And each bacterium has a specific set of uh, enzymes that can degrade the fiber. And then by the degradation, you uh, short-chain fatty acids will be produced, for instance, but also you can shift the bacteria in the gut. So you have beneficial bacteria there. You also have potentially pathogenic bacteria there. And by um, changing the type of fiber that you eat, you can, for instance, increase the number of beneficial bacteria and decrease the potential pathogenic bacteria. And that can have certain health benefits. Uh, why is human being not able to, to digest the fibers? Yeah, we don't have the, the enzymes that are needed. So we have enzymes to break down carbohydrates. We have enzymes to break down proteins, etc. But fibers are more complex and we don't have the enzymes that are needed to break down uh, the fibers and bacteria do have that and it's also interesting to see you know what i mentioned you have a lot of different types of bacteria you they also work together so you have bacteria that start with a certain type of fiber they, they degrade it partially and then you have other types of bacteria that can work further on that on that fiber and then it's completely degraded and uh 
bacteria grow and the fiber is uh, gone. So basically yeah. they work together. Yeah, they work together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you then have a prebiotic, because that was your question, mm -hmm. it's a, a, a substrate, it's a fiber that is selectively stimulated. So it, it only works with one type of bacteria, one or two types of bacteria, and it has a health benefit. So it doesn't, some, some bacteria are, uh, some fibers are degraded by a lot of different bacteria, but prebiotics are selectively used by certain bacteria. For instance, inulin, FOS, fructooligosaccharides, galactooligosaccharides are selectively stimulated by uh, bifidobacteria, for instance. Okay. So if you uh, stand in the shoes of a food manufacturer, um, what does a, f a manufacturer really need to make a claim about a product yeah. or an ingredient containing a fiber? Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting question because uh, you can't just say, you can't just make uh, claims on a product. You need to comply to a legislation for that. And uh, you ha actually have two types of claims that you can make. One is the nutrition claim and the second one is the health claim. Well, nutrition claims don't say anything about the health benefits. So they only focus on what is in the product. Uh, it, for instance, for fiber you have, you can make a claim high in fiber. Mm -hmm. Only if the product, product has at least six grams per hundred gram fiber in it. Yeah. Uh, so that's nutrition claims. You don't, it doesn't say anything about the health benefit. You also have the health claims. And that's even more complicated because you can't just make the claim. You need to have scientific evidence to... Uh, to demonstrate that the benefit is there. And you have the European Food Safety Authority who is uh, assessing those claims. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to submit a dossier with all the, all the information that is there, obtained by clinical trials, for instance. You have to have mechanistic effects. And based on that, they, uh, they assess whether you can make the claim or not. And I know that a lot of claims have been submitted. So a lot of um, manufacturers have submitted uh, health claims and many of them have not been authorized uh, to be used uh, on the product. Uh, for fiber, there are some. So for instance, there is a claim for arabinoxylans uh, for lowering postprandial blood, blood glucose, mm -hmm. but also wheat bran or oat, oat grains uh, for increasing fecal bulk. So uh, those are approved, uh, approved. health claims. Yeah. So you say it, so a lot is still in dossiers and it's difficult to, to come to, to the level of a claim. Yes. Could you explain a bit what type of tests or studies can be used to evaluate potential health uh, benefits? Yeah, uh, there are a lot. You have a lot of different types of fibers. So it's not that you have, you, you can only do one test and you know what it does. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can do it in steps. So for instance, you can start with an in vitro test. Uh, there you can have a cost efficient way of screening a lot of different type of fibers. Uh, and then you put it in a static model. You see what happens, whether what uh, types of bacteria are stimulated, uh, what types of short-chain fatty acids are stimulated. And based on that, you can already make a selection of interesting fibers. As a next step or as another step, you can also look into more compartmentalized uh, um, assays. Mm -hmm. And there uh, you have a more physiological approach because then you mimic the passage through the gastrointestinal tract. You can look at the same thing, so the stimulation of bacteria, but also a production of short-chain fatty acids, for instance. But still, it's also not like you do it in a human. It's, it's still in vitro screening. Um, interestingly, you can also combine uh, in vitro methods. So in, in your gastrointestinal tract, uh, fiber will be digested or it will be past the digestive tract and then enter in the gut. Mm -hmm. So you can combine two types of uh, assays. For instance, start with the pre-digestion 
digestion phase. So you mimic the first part of the digestive tract, and then you use that, what, what the result for the next, for the fermentation model, for instance. And you can also combine uh, the fermentation model with, uh, for instance, cell assays, where you look at more physiological effects. So what does uh, the fiber do to the cell barrier integrity, for instance? So actually, uh, so, so the in vitro part is, is, is clever combining a lot of uh, different types of assays based on what you expect from a fiber. Yeah. But then the next step is, uh, is, is, is the health effect, uh, what, yeah. you, what you said. Yeah. So how do, how do you test for health effects of dietary fibers in clinical trials? Yeah, of course, the in vitro trials don't say anything about the human body because in the body a lot happens. Enzymes are produced or juices are added and, and yeah, you need the, the human effect to know what really happens. Mm -hmm. uh, if you want to do a clinical trial, yeah, you can't do it with 10 types of fibers because you need human subjects to do the study. If you would study 10 types of fibers, you would need 10 groups of subjects to uh, to show the benefit. So you would only start with that if you only have one or two interesting fibers uh, yeah. on top of mind. And then you compare it to a product that doesn't contain the fiber. And then you can look into, okay, what happens with in subjects that use the fiber and subjects that don't use the, the fiber. And you've, you can still look at the composition of the microbiota, so the bacteria that are there. You can also look at the short and fatty acids, similar to what you would do in an in vitro study. But you can also look beyond that. So you could also look into uh, potential health benefits, like does it affect the immune system? Does it have an effect on transit time? Or does it, an effect, does it have an effect on blood glucose? Uh, yeah, so that's what you do in a clinical trial. In a clinical trial. Yeah. So you also touched upon the microbiota. And yeah. uh, so to get more insight into that, uh, bioinformatics uh, is an important yeah. uh, thing. Can you explain a bit about what what bioinformatics role play in, uh, in these trials? Yeah. Well, if you look in your stools in, after a clinical trial or after in vitro trial, uh, there's a lot of DNA there. So you use DNA sequencing methods to uh, see what is there, but it's not only bacterial DNA. It also has your cell DNA or fungal DNA, etc. And with the bioinformatics, you can uh, distinguish what is there. So you can see what types of species are there, but you can also look into uh, functional benefits. So uh, if the DNA also has transcription of a certain benefit, you could also see that with the bioinformatics approach. Uh, so that's really looking into what is there. Yeah. It's also really helpful to visualize. So you, you, can, you have so many different things that you have as a result, but with the bioinformatics, you get a nice visualization of, uh, of what is there. So it's a really important part uh, of our project. So to get so so much data and to yeah. and, and and to see what yeah. uh, what yeah. the outcome is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much, uh, Peter, for this nice explanation. Thanks for being here. <laughs> this was Nisa Talks Food and Health, and if you want to know more, please check out our website. <laughs>